world than just us. And I, I, don't, I didn't know I was going to be talking about this, but I was thinking about the, the, the verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And as Americans, we tend to, to, honestly, we tend to read that in our minds, oh, God so loves me. God so loves me that he sent Jesus to save me, and it's all about me. And we don't really say that. We don't really admit that. But I, honestly, I think that's how we think because that's, that's how we live. That's how, we, that's how our decisions are made. We are really are a self-centered we have a very self-centered Christianity in America. It's very about self-prosperity, self-success, self-salvation. You guys with, with me on that? You generally agree with me? And yet, that is, that is actually not the gospel. Yes, God loves you, yes. But he so loved the world. He loves the whole shebang. And it's not just about you. You are definitely a part of God's redemptive plan. It's awesome. Yes. Yes. He loves you. He loves you. You don't even, none of us have an idea of the, the depth of God's love for us. We don't even get it. As uh, self-centered as we are, we still don't understand how much God is into us and how much he loves us. But there's something bigger than that going on, and it's the world. God loves the world. And he has, he has called us to not just make disciples of people, Jesus actually said, make disciples of the nations, the nations. And so when a community like Matros has uh, the open doors that God has given us to gather leaders from each area of our community life, our school, our superintendent will be there tonight to welcome everybody, uh, our, our assistant principal and um, uh, athletic director will be praying for uh, our administration in the schools and for the staff. We have students praying, teachers praying, pastors praying. We have, uh, we're, we're representing the, the police, the fire, the communities, the families, uh, the businesses of our community. And when this community comes together and we are saying, oh God, we dedicate this year to you. We need you. We ask for your blessing on our community. There is great power in this. Because that is in alignment with God's will, that he wants this community, and he wants this state, and he wants this nation to be like him, to follow him. And one day, all the nations of the world will yield to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Amen? So if that's what's going to happen, if that is God's will, then we as God's people, we align with God's will in helping bring his kingdom and his will on the earth. Can I get an amen? So this is not just a prayer meeting. This isn't just a good idea. This is a God movement for the blessing of God to be released into our schools, into our businesses, into our families, into our community, you know, different clubs and all that sort of stuff. This is our moment to spiritually commit to God these areas of our life together. So it's a big deal. So if you are not living in Montrose, I know many of us don't live here in Montrose. I do, but many of, many of you don't. Our church actually originated out in Clio, and many of you guys are from Clio. Some of you are from other communities around, Mount Morris, Flint, you know, Flushing, and Chesney, and all over the place, Bertrand. But this is our spiritual home, and I invite you to come to ask for God's blessing on our spiritual home. 
And, and so that's kind of what the idea is all about. Isn't that awesome? So I don't know how many other communities have this type of opportunity, but God has given us that opportunity, and we are taking it for sure. Um, the other thing is, though, I wanted to invite you personally to a welcome luncheon that's coming up in a couple of weeks, and I've asked the ushers uh, to bring around clipboards. And if you're fairly new at the church, let's say in the last, uh, I don't know, a couple of months or even half, uh, half a year or so, and you haven't had a chance to attend one of our welcome luncheons, I want to invite you to come and have a free lunch in a couple of weeks after church. And I would love to just get a chance to meet you a lot of times after the service. I might be praying or I might be talking with someone and, and I, you know, people, you come and you go and we don't get time to meet and stuff. So I'd love to meet you. Uh, we're going to be, uh, you know, having some of our leaders there with us just to say, hey, who are you? Here's who I am. Here's what our church is about. And we'd just love to get to know you. So please come. If you're interested, you can sign up on the Welcome Luncheon clipboards. They're going to come around. We just thought this would be easy for you. And uh, as those are coming around, we'll get started with, with our message. So today, I want you to say this with me. I am God's masterpiece. And I want to welcome, can I welcome you to our church for the first time? Alice over here uh, from Italy. So she's an exchange student. And uh, she's on my cross-country team, yeah, and uh, anyway, uh, I'm introducing her to you because there's a a really famous sculptor, there's many famous artists from her country, from Italy. Uh, My my wife and I in Remington, we were in Italy last summer, and we had a chance to go to Rome, and uh, you know, we had a chance to go to the Vatican, we saw some amazing, we went to the Sistine Chapel, we saw some sculptures and paintings of the most famous, you know, artists in our history in the world. And one of those people is, uh, I won't say it like I'm supposed to, but Michelangelo, right? But she would call it, uh, how would you say it? Michelangelo. There you go. Michelangelo. How many of you know Michelangelo or Michelangelo? All right. And, uh, and when we were there, I... I was seeing some of his stuff and hearing the stories of him and some other, other great artists and sculptors and so on. And uh, I, I thought I had remembered this quote, and I looked it up, and sure enough, it was him. And I want to read this for you. I think I even put it in your notes. And uh, I want to just read to you what he said. And I, it's not about him, but it's about what I believe uh, it reminded me and helped me connect some dots to who God is and what God says about us. And he said this. In every block of marble, I see a statue as plain as though it stood before me. What a gift. Shaped and perfect in attitude and action. In perfect attitude and action. I have only to hew away the rough walls that imprison the lovely apparition to reveal it to the other eyes as mine sees it. That is deep. Now, Michelangelo was a God-fearing man. He believed in God, and he served God with his talents. And, uh, and he, he had this gift. He could see a, a, a block of marble, and he could, he could picture the statue inside of it. So when, when, it, when he would do his work, uh, he was also a famous painter, but when he would do his sculpting, he wasn't trying to create something. He was revealing something that was already there. Isn't that awesome? 
So here we go. Yeah. Reveal, the great reveal. There it is. There it is. What do you see? Firewood. Yes. I knew that was coming. <clears throat> I see a big chunk of wood that somehow we got to get out of this building after today. That is going to be heavy, right? It's part of a tree. It's a stump. It's firewood. But, uh, but for someone like a Michelangelo or someone like God can see beyond the surface and see inside. And uh, this, is, this is a great um, paradox or, or a challenge for us as Christians because we were pretty good at seeing one another like this. And, we're, and when we look in the mirror, most of us see this as well. We see the outside stuff. And we tend to focus on that a lot, don't we? And we have a hard time seeing beyond you know, the outside stuff into who we really are. And this whole idea is who are you in Christ? Who are you? What really is inside? And, and the Bible challenges us, and I've been challenging us to think about this too lately, is how do we view each other and how do we view ourselves? Even more importantly, how do we view ourselves, but also one another, with the eyes of God instead of the eyes of the flesh? Because when we can see who God made us to be, who we really are, and we can see that in one another because we were created in the image of God. And, uh, and our image has been obviously contorted and perverted and, and cloaked with bond, bondages and chains. And Laura was expressing some of those areas that we can all relate to, the challenges and the struggles of life, the things that are upon us but we know don't really belong to us, but sometimes they're so prominent in our experience that we start to believe that really is us. And yet God wants to set us free from that stuff. And the, and the whole idea of the New Testament, especially Paul's writings, in Ephesians especially, he's trying to show us who we really already are in Christ. That it's already a done deal. It really is. This really is who you are. It's there. We just got to get beyond this stuff to reveal it. And so I don't know about you, but I've, I've been sharing with you lately how uh, in my journey, my personal journey, I've spent a lot of my life previous to now um, trying to somehow do that myself. And I, and I think it's so funny now, I think about it. It's so funny. I mean, think about it. How is that stump going to set itself free? Now, you are God's masterpiece, and I'm going to go to my conclusion of my message right now, Okay. So, if you are a masterpiece, every masterpiece has a master. And the master made the masterpiece. This stump has no power to make itself into something different or reveal itself. It has no arms, it has no tools. It's impossible. And yet, we spend so much of our energy trying to reform ourselves, trying to change ourselves, trying to get ourselves, you know, to line up with God. 
to, to, you know, to be better. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, let's just be really simple now. How crazy is that? Okay, if you're a masterpiece, uh, you are not designed to be your own masterpiece. I want to talk to the young people for a minute. Because if you could get this, it would save you uh, decades of struggle and frustration, okay? Just let me talk to you for a second. So when I was young, if you can relate to this, if anybody else can relate to this, when I was young, I really thought, you know, to, to have a good life and to be a, a good, responsible human being, it was my job to become a masterpiece. Like, I had to uh, be, you know, good at stuff and learn stuff and change and behave. And, and so my, my thought was I have to uh, get better and, and become something important because that's what human beings are supposed to do. But that, that's, you can't do that. You, I understand you can do that, but you can't do that. You can't. The masterpiece that you are meant to be is the, the masterpiece that God has in you, that he created in you, that he reveals. And so my whole point here for the last couple of weeks is, how in the world does that happen? How do we get to that place? It's not because I need to try to do more or work harder, but if I put myself into a position where the master has me at his disposal, where I'm in his presence, where I'm with him, and I'm allowing him to do his work, how many of you know he can, he can finish that job a lot quicker? Okay? So this isn't about doing nothing. This is about doing the right thing, which is putting ourselves into God's presence and allowing God to do this, this work in us. Um, so yeah, here's the memory verse, and I picked a version. Uh, it's called the International Standard Version. Usually I, I use the NIV, but uh, the NIV says, uh, for we are God's workmanship, but I, I really feel like it's stronger than that. We are God's masterpiece. We are his masterpiece. And a masterpiece, if you think about it, is the greatest work of an artist's, you know, um, career. It's the greatest thing that he could make or do. It is always one of a kind, unique, and the, the greatest expression of that artist's ability. And it's recognized by others as excellent, right? A, nothing can compare to that. It's a masterpiece. And you are already God's masterpiece. And the work on the cross that we were talking about last week, when Jesus said the it is finished, and in the scriptures you start to study what that word means, it is finished, teleo, it comes from this idea that the whole process leading up to your freedom and your justification and your adoption as a son and daughter of God, all of your redemption from sin and your freedom from that old life and all of that change and all of the junk that was cluttering you that you were born into, all of that is now finished and you are free to be alive in God. You're saved. You're whole, you're healed, you're, 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 you're it in him. In Christ, you now have everything that you need for life and for godliness. Can anybody get excited about that? And so I just want to read some other quotes by Michelangelo as we think about this. Um, this is cool. Some of you, uh, one of the statues that we were able to see in Italy was the statue of David. Um, and if you don't know what that is, it is one of the most famous statues uh, you know, in our, in our world. 
And so this is what he had to say about that. He said, I created a vision of David in my mind and simply carved away everything that was not David. Now, think about that with God. Isn't this brilliant? Isn't this awesome? We had a testimony today about uh, Celebrate Recovery. And we all have stuff that's, that's kind of, uh, what would you say, uh, covering up the real image of God in us. Um, I see this in myself, of course. I see this in my children. Uh, I see this, you know, we see this easy, easily. We see this. Sometimes we forget, though, that um, God is the only one who can take those things away. And so if we, if we can come to God and allow him some space, he wants to take away, he wants to chisel away everything, everything that's not who he made you to be. And, you know, there's times in my life where I added to who I thought I needed to be. Out of insecurity or out of uh, worshiping somebody else or some other thing, like, oh, I should be like that. Oh, this, is, this would get me more acceptance. This would make me feel better about myself. So I'm going to be this kind of a person. And so then I began to create or pack on to my, the image that God made on I me. Mean, I begin to think that this is a better image. This is what I should be like. And I, and I add stuff to my life. Or maybe sometimes we have stuff in our life that gets a, a part of us because we feel like we need to do that to survive. You know, um, and we're in situations and we don't know how to handle it. So we, we toughen up or we harden up or we create, you know, some space between us and others so we can't get hurt. And we start to do different things in life because of different things that we are experiencing that actually packs on stuff that's not who we are. But you know what God, God's all about? Like I said last week, our, our verse last week, God is working to conform you to the image of his son. He has an image in you already in Christ that is perfect. That's a masterpiece. And so if there's something that we're holding on to, almost as if this, this little stump is like, no, 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 don't take that part away. You know, I, wa- I want that part. That's who I am. And God's like, that's not who you are. And we think, yeah, but this is what I need to survive. And he's like, no, you don't. It's holding you back. So God is actually working on you right now. And some of us are resisting some of that work. Yeah, but this is normal. This is fine. It's okay because God's not going to stop. He's not going to give up. You know, he loves us too much to allow us to depend on anything else except him and who he made us to be. I was watching this movie. How many of you have seen the movie uh, Overcomer? Anybody see that movie yet, Overcomer? I would, I would recommend you go see it. It's a uh, cross-country movie. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's also a uh, Christian movie. And it's also got a great message. And it, and it has a lot to do with, uh, Dwayne, I think one of your aunts from these logs got in here. Just flicked them off my table. Uh, and it has to do with, um, I think, I don't want to give the movie away, but I will say this much. It has to do with uh, a person discovering who they are in Christ. This whole idea. This whole idea. And uh, without giving it away, um, I do want to say that um, it was speaking to me in, in a part of Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2 about looking at who we are in Christ. And these things are already real. 
Uh, Ephesians 1.3, and you can, uh, uh, there's so much here. I want to just let you study this this week, okay? I, I'll mention some of it, but we don't have time to go through all this stuff. This is stuff that, that what we need to do if we really want to see who we are in Christ, we have to give God some time to work on our, our thoughts. That's what the Bible says. Like, if you want your mind to be transformed, then you have to put, put some time into the Word and let God begin to speak to you, okay? And so how does this work? Um, we have a masterpiece over here. We have a masterpiece. Do you guys want to see it? All right, here it goes. And this masterpiece has a name, and the name of this masterpiece is Clarice. This is Clarice, everybody. Oh, let me try to get it. There we go. Clarice. A beautiful masterpiece by our very own Dwayne Michelangelo Vickerman here. Yes. Done by a chainsaw. Pretty awesome. And this, this is really cool. I uh, appreciate this. It helps the message a little bit, Dwayne. That this was made from the same stump as this. This is the leftover piece so far. Maybe that'll be her brother someday. This is it. This is it. This is the same log that this one came from. And so it was there all along. Would you agree with me? Dwayne didn't add wood to this, except the eyes. But, you know, it was, it's, it was revealed. And there was a lot of stuff that needed to be removed. A lot of time, a lot of precision, and one, one piece at a time. Listen, this is what God's doing in your life. You can embrace it uh, or you can resist it. But God's doing this. This is his determined will and plan for your life. He will use anything and everything in your life to accomplish his bigger purpose. We tend to think about comfort. We tend to gravitate towards, you know, paths of least resistance, pleasure, comfort. We, want, we just want everything nice around us, okay? But God will use all the ingredients of life and experiences to bring about the process of removing from us what really isn't us at all. Aren't you glad about that? Because when you begin, begin to see who you are in Christ, uh, you become more alive and more full of life in him. Free, free. This is what's happening to some people right now in Celebrate Recovery. This is exactly what's happening. And, uh, and I had this thought during worship because God was speaking to me in worship time. And, and I had this thought. It was like every time that, that we see who Christ is in us, and we believe it, we agree with it, a peace comes off, and we become more like him. So it is a process, but um, we do have a role to play. We can't carve ourselves. We can't improve ourselves. This is not the work of man. This is the work of God. But we can put ourselves in his presence. We can put ourselves in his word, and we can live with his people. Because God uses all these things to bring about his ultimate will for you, that you would have life and have it to the full. And God knows that you'll have that when you have him at the center of your life. Amen? 
So yeah, I would like to give you the challenge that, um, that I was given in that movie to read Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 2. And you, if you need to, you have some cheater notes there that I gave you today. But maybe don't even look at those. And do this on your own. Take your time. You have a pencil or pen, a notebook or a piece of paper. And look for things that, that are written in there that tells you who you are. Not who you someday might become. But who's already here. Already who you are. There may be some things that need removing, but this is already who you are. In Christ, these things are already secure. It's already done. Your masterpiece is already in place. It's just a matter of you, bit by bit, agreeing with God and allowing him to reveal himself to you. And you become aware of who you are more and more as you do that. And, and take time to do that. Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 2. Who are you in Christ? You're chosen. You're loved. You, you have power. You have an inheritance. You have hope. You know, you are seated with Christ. You are far above all other powers and rulers and titles in this world. Demonic forces have no authority over you. Do you know who you are? And to the degree that you know that, you have freedom and you have purpose and you have clarity and you have life. To the degree that you don't, there's still stuff that's kind of deadening your, your, true, your true image that God has created you in. And so that's the process. And uh, what I'd like to do is just spend a couple minutes talking about, you know, some gaps that I, that I see in our lives. I was talking with some people about this, and I thought, you know, it's, I think it'd be worth just talking about for a few minutes here. Some of the gaps that, that we experience uh, between God's reality and our reality, okay? These gaps right here, this gap from here to there. You know, one of those things, I think, is how God sees me and how I see myself, okay? There's a gap sometimes. Uh, God sees me blameless, and last week I was talking to you about this. Uh, sometimes we see ourselves still as guilty. But God sees us blameless. He actually has forgotten our sins. He has scrubbed them clean in his eyes. He doesn't see you in sin anymore. He sees this, let's just call the outward shell sin. It's anything that's falling short of the target God has for your life. That's what sin is. It's not just being bad. It's missing the mark. It's anything on here that, on here that doesn't belong here. It's sin. It's missing the mark. It's not who God made you to be. It could be really nasty or it could be really small. It's just missing the mark. It's not filled with God's life. And so um, God doesn't, he sees that in here. We're staring at this. He's not staring at this at all. He's seeing this. And when we, when we lean on a part over here, God's Holy Spirit is saying, that's not who you are. That's what he's saying. That's, this is who you are. You're free. You're free. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be angry. We got this covered. You see, God is saying, this is who you are. This is who you are. So the gap of what God sees and how I see myself. Sometimes, well, God, he wants to be with me, but sometimes I think God is mad at me or disappointed. Uh, and that's, that's a gap of how I see my relationship with God and how God sees his relationship with me. 
Sometimes, um, well, God, he loves me, but sometimes I feel that I need to do something to please him or earn his love. But God just loves me. But I'm not always seeing it that way. Uh, sometimes uh, God sees me with the masterpiece within, and of course the obvious is I look in the mirror and I'm not always seeing the masterpiece. And I can get focused on some of my failures or get discouraged or see my flaws. God sees the future uh, of who I'm becoming, and a lot of times I'm stuck in the, in the present or in the past of who I think I am. So there's a gap, right? You see that? There's another uh, thought I had. What God knows and what I know. How many of you know there's a gap there? <laughs> as high as the heavens are above the earth, so higher are his thoughts than my thoughts. I mean, there's no comparison. How can the dirt, how can the mud know what the potter is up to in his life? How in the world is dirt, can we understand the mind of our creator? We only know what he reveals to us, don't we? I mean, we have no capacity at all to understand God outside of what he reveals of himself to us. But here's some things just I thought were just real practical thoughts. God knows that my sin is paid for, but I don't always walk in freedom. God knows that he has forgiven me, but I don't always live as if I'm forgiven. God knows that the devil has lost completely, but sometimes I feel like a victim. Sometimes I feel powerless. Sometimes I feel like the devil's beating me. Okay? God knows that I have eternal life in him, but for, sometimes I forget in the heat of the moment, and I think that this life is all there is, and I start to cling to stuff. All right? God knows that all of his promises are true, but sometimes I doubt. God knows that I can trust him, but sometimes I try to trust myself instead. Right? God knows that I'm more than a conqueror, but I don't always feel like I'm winning. Okay, so the, there's, these are just obvious gaps that we experience, okay? One more. God's plan for me and my current reality. God has a, an abundant life for me. Did you know that? His plans for you to prosper you and uh, to, for you to be successful. He has a future and a hope for you. But I have areas in my life that are less than abundant right now. How about you? God has love, joy, and peace for me, but sometimes I have a hard time sustaining those qualities every day. God has rest for me, as I've been talking about, rest, the rest in him. But typically, I live in the stress zone, stress zone. And God has good works for me, but sometimes I'm focusing on personal survival. I don't have time to do what God wants to do because i got to survive. Okay, so we have these gaps. And so what gets us from over there to over here? And it's very simple. There's three, three points, and I've already made them. I don't know if you heard them or not, but to close these gaps, to let God form uh, or let God reveal who we really are in him, three very simple things that, that we can do is be in his word, be in his presence, and be with his people. Now, we're very busy people, and these are one, this is one of the things that works against us in our culture in this process. Because when we're too busy for God's word, and we're too busy for his presence, and we're too busy to be with his people, we are not giving God space to do what he wants to do in our lives. You hear what I'm saying? I'm not telling you, here's all the rules. You know, this is all the stuff that you got to do. I'm saying you can't do it, but you got to put yourself in the environment for God to work. And he works. He works when you are 
in his word. He works on our mind and our thoughts. And the Bible says here, I think the main verse I picked out for this category is Hebrews 4.12. It says the word of God is actually alive and it's active and it's sharper than a double-edged sword and it goes right through, right through the outer core of who you are. It gets right inside to your soul, to your thoughts, to the internal workings of what's going on deep inside where everybody else sees that, but God goes right beyond all that. He doesn't mess around. And his word goes right into the core of who you are. And if a core attitude or thought is changed, it just, boom, blows right out to the outside. It works its way right out to the outside and changes everything. And that's what God does with his word, with his word. He does that with his presence. When we come into his presence, when we spend time just being in his presence, worshiping him and seeking him, he, his spirit, his Holy Spirit speaks to us. Even this morning as we're worshiping, you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, standing there thinking, oh, how's the music sound? Uh, you know, who's here? Um, how's the service gonna go? I'm try- what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get in God's presence. I'm like, God, I need you, I want you. And as we're singing, I'm just seeking God. And as I'm, as I'm in there, God's speaking to me because we're in his presence. And God was speaking to me some stuff. And I'm like, oh, this, is, this is where I want to be. This is what I want. I need, this is what I need. I need God to speak to me and talk to me. And so he's talking to me just, you know, through his spirit and just kind of leading my, my thoughts. You, you know what I'm talking about? And that, that happens because I'm not staring at my phone or watching a, a TV or busy, busy, busy. If we don't get in God's presence, we miss those moments of God's speaking into our hearts. You hear me? This isn't legalism. This is like life. This is life. God being in his presence. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so in his presence, uh, this was the verse we, we were talking about last week. 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the, the Lord's glory as we are coming into his presence and we're just worshiping him, we're contemplating him, we're seeking him, we're dwelling in, in him. It says we're being transformed as we do that into his image. His presence transforms us. Uh, his word um, you know, penetrates us. His presence transforms us. But here's the other thing, and we're, we're starting life groups and, and uh Life groups are more important than what we've been able to communicate to you. So we're going to try to communicate it more and more because life groups are very important. It's not the life groups itself. It's the being with God's people. It's being with God's people that is super important. This is part of the tools that God uses in our lives to help us, to encourage us, um, to help us learn how to love, to learn how to care, to learn how to pray, to, uh, to learn how to be like Jesus, also to be, you know, to be the receptive end of support and encouragement and wisdom and coaching and sharpening. Proverbs says this, uh, 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. In the, in the hands of God, a person in your life that's close to you, in the hands of God, is a miracle. It's God's provision to you. Your pastor, your elders, your close friends, your spouse, in the hands of God, if those people are submitted to God and they're walking in his presence, 
They are God's voice. They're God's hands. They're God's help to you. And, and it's a miracle. I always try to tell people that are looking for help that God's greatest miracle in our lives are the people around us all the time, the people moved by God with his love and his wisdom and his, his spirit that is God's provision for us. You know? You are a miracle for someone else because we are the body of Christ. Right? We function together. All parts are needed. All parts are different. But all parts are equally important and needed for the rest of the body. And we need each other. And so um, part of this process, at most of this process, I can't say that. I don't even know what word I want to use. But a big chunk, it's a good word, chunk, of this process in my life has been through God's people. Not just God's word. Not just God's presence. Also God's people. That is how God has designed this thing. It's just his, it's his deal. God, Jesus, uh, he created the church, right? The church is not a building. The church is people. The people. The ecclesia of God. The gathered people of God coming together. And so we need each other. So life groups, that's what it's all about. It's about um, being together, learning to love each other, learning to support each other, learning to listen Learning to be carved on a little bit, sharpened a little bit, but submitting to one another and honoring one another because we're in this together. We're on the same team. In fact, we're in the same family. This is a family thing. Family. We are the family of God. And here are just a couple of New Testament scriptures that say what we are to do for one another. Okay? Love one another. Be devoted to one another. Accept one another. Encourage one another. Build each other up. Do good and share with one another. Do not judge one another. Serve one another. Be patient with one another. Be gentle with one another. Be kind to each other. Be compassionate. Be forgiving. Pray for. Spur on. Carry each other's burdens. Value one another and submit to one another. I mean, these are, this is just a couple of verses right there of the one another's of, of God's plan for your life. And you can't do that without other people. And you can't receive that without other people. Um, so this is not an activity. This is not just a good idea. This is part of God's purpose and provision for your life. Get connected, okay? Run out there and sign up. And if there's not a group for you, then you start a group. If there's not a group that fits your schedule, then you start a group. Come and see me. We'll get you going. Because we need each other. We need each other. You can't just walk out of here and wait till next Sunday before you're around God's people again and be a healthy, vibrant, uh, you know, image bearer of God on the earth. You can't do that alone. It's not possible, and, and, and it's not God's plan for you. Okay? It's not easy to be together. Uh, that's why there's a word called love. And that's a pretty big, important word for, for God. Um, and, and I want to I share and close my, my message with this. And then I'd like to just have some time to pray. And the worship team, uh, by the way, I should pause and just congratulate Caleb and Tess Strait for their baby. If you didn't know, they had a baby a couple days ago. And so he's not here, but um, is the worship team available to come up for a song? I don't know if you guys are, 
I don't know if you guys can come up with a song. My wife's going to go look for him. And, uh, and anyway, their baby's name is a boy. His name is Moses Jeremiah. Isn't that awesome? Moses Jeremiah Strait. Uh, he's just over seven pounds. And uh, so, yeah, they're, they're uh, just recovering from that, uh, that little experience, you know. <laughs> I, felt, I felt a little compassion for him because the whole process started at like 11 o'clock at night, which is the absolute worst time, isn't it? It's like, okay, no sleep all night long, and then the next day you have to have a baby. I can't imagine that. Oh, well, I can't imagine kind of some of it. I was on one side of it. But uh, I want to uh, finish our message with a time just to respond to God. But uh, here's a verse I, I really have been moved by. Isaiah 64, verse 8. I just want this to sink in, okay? Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. How many of you are thankful for that awesome verse in Philippians where it says, he who began a good work in you will finish it. He will finish it. Now, in Christ, it's finished. In Christ, it's finished. God is faithful to all his promises. All of his promises are yes and amen in Christ. And God is faithful to all of his promises. And God really does love you, and he really does see you this way. And God wants to finish what he started. And our response to that is, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You, Lord, you are our Father. You are the potter, right? We are the clay. Lord, yes, Lord, here I am. You know, why? I am the work of your hands. Lord, I'm yours. I'm in your hands. Stop trying to form your own image. Stop trying to perform or create your own value. Your value is in God alone. He, he has created you to be a masterpiece. There is no one like you. You're unique, a unique work of God. By his own hands, he formed you. The Bible says, in the womb, you are formed by the hands of God. Isn't that humbling? The hands of God formed you. The breath of life was breathed into you. You became a living being when God breathed into you. It's just happened for little Moses. The first, I said, Caleb, did you see the first breath? He's like, oh yeah. I'm like, I always wanted to see the first breath of every one of my kids. It's the greatest miracle other than salvation is the birth of a life. To see that first breath, it comes from God. Doctor doesn't do it. Doctor does, just helps clear away some of that stuff that's in the way. But that breath comes from God. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. You're a living being because of the breath of God. You are who you are because of the hands of God. You are the work of his hands and you are a masterpiece. And we're still living in a world that's messed up. And we're still believing a lot of stuff that's cluttered our view. But I just want to spend some time as we close to let God speak to us this morning. Let the Holy Spirit pray over you, over you, that he would begin to reveal even this morning more of, oh, wow, that's not who I am. This is who I am. Thank you, Lord. If you see one more thing this morning and you believe and trust in God, that chunk comes off and you're more like Jesus. You walk out of this room more like him. 
more like him. That's my prayer this morning. And uh, so I want to turn it over, uh, turn it over to the, the worship, if we can just sing something. And uh, I want to just open this time up for you to seek God. Uh, and if you want someone to pray with you, we'll have some elders and so on up here to pray. But this is about the Holy Spirit speaking to you. This is about me giving you some time to just totally surrender to God and let him speak to you. You don't even have to sing the song. You can sing the song if you want, but I want your focus on him. Lord, just, you got anything for me this morning? You got anything for me? Let's just take a few minutes to do that. That's the final quote I'm going to give you of Michelangelo, okay? The greatest danger for most of us is not that our aim is too high and we miss it, but that it is too low and we reach it. And some of us have settled for things in our life that's way too low. That's not who we are. That's not who God made us to be. And we settle because of doubt or fear or past experiences. And we set our aim way too low. We said, well, you know, God heals, but he probably won't heal me. But if he does, that'd be great. But if not, you know, whatever. No, that's a danger. Because when we surrender God's best for something that we are compromising on, we're missing something that God had intended for us. Do you see what I'm saying? You are a masterpiece. God can break any chain off of your life. He can change any family legacy. You can start a brand new life legacy for your family line. You are not chained to the past. There's no chain big enough God can't break. All right? His chisels are strong enough, sharp enough, and he can rescue the image that he has placed inside of you. There's nothing that you've done that God can't redeem and restore and renew. Nothing. Do not believe that lie. Set your eyes on Jesus. Look to him. He's the author. He's the beginner. And he's the perfecter. He's the finisher of our faith. Let's, uh, let's stand together and let me pray. And then I'm giving you that time with God. We're going to take about, you know, seven minutes or so. Whatever, whatever, seven to ten minutes, whatever. So I'm not, we're not going to just do a cute little two-minute thing here. I'm giving you some time, seven to ten minutes, whatever. And, uh, and you, can, you can come up front. You can sit back down. You can make an altar right there at your chair. You can make an altar up here. You can come to a prayer team. You can stay standing. You can sing or you can just be quiet. But I'm inviting you to seek God and listen to his spirit. I believe he has something to say to each and every one of us. Lord, we just open our hearts to you this morning. We turn this time over to you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, and show us. Show us what you want us to see. Close the gap a little bit more this morning of who we are and how we see ourselves. Lord, I just pray for each one in this, in this room this morning, in the next few minutes, as they seek you and open their hearts to you, Lord, that you would speak into their lives and you would set them free and you would change their mind. You would change their heart. You would show them something. You would reveal more of Christ in each one of us. And Lord, that we'd walk out of this place a little bit more like you, Jesus. A little more full. A little more alive. A little more healed. A little more free. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's just do that. Let's seek him. Thank you, Jesus.